This is an ABC podcast. I need help with um, my maths homework. That one will be known as the snake math. Um, English. Hi, it's Yumi here. I'm writing this script from the peaceful surrounds of home. It's a sea of tranquility, as you can hear. And also give me driving lessons. (laughs) And listen, apart from being a dangerous disease that you really don't want to catch, COVID-19 is also a gendered crisis and women are on the front line. At the end of the day, 98% of the early years educators are females. There's a whole lot of guilt around not going to work and a whole lot of guilt and anxiety about going to work. So it's a really tricky time. I kind of have doubled my own workload, but the students are finding it really beneficial, so I don't really want to stop doing that. People closest to the edge were always women. So when a whole community takes a step towards the edge, it's the women who fall off first. Like a really useful starting point is just to assume that women are going to be a bit more screwed than men. And COVID is a gendered crisis because it's completely changed the way our society operates. But hang on, I keep hearing this thing that we're all in this together, which I think might be code for don't complain because we're all suffering equally. So if it's gendered, that means it's not equal and that the patriarchy still exists in a pandemic. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about women on the front line of coronavirus. Historically, during a pandemic, women fare worse than men do. And history is repeating. Women are leading the charge in this crisis. According to the World Health Organization, women make up 70% of the global health and social workforce. In Australia, that number is even higher. So we're not just talking about infection or mortality rates or the challenges of homeschooling your kids. We're talking about the long-term insidious effects of bearing the brunt of a social and economic crisis that we have not seen for generations. So if women are at the front line, what does that actually mean? With something like COVID, I don't think there's a front, it's everywhere in our houses and our shops and in our hospitals. And women are playing really interesting and probably unrecognised and certainly unpaid roles in helping us, you know, keep our shit together. That's Amy Haddad. She's been working on gender equality and social inclusion since she was barred from wearing trousers at high school. This is how Amy says pandemics adversely affect women. So in all the bits of our community where we need to take care of our health or we need to take care of our loved ones, women are the majority of of those workers. In Australia, we're lucky to have some really good stats about who does what. And those stats show us pretty clearly that women are the majority of workers in hospitals. And you can break that down into doctors, nurses, ward assistants, cleaners, admin staff. Women are the majority of workers in general practice. Women are the majority of workers in residential care, so in aged care homes. By far the majority of workers in childcare and as early childhood educators. And women are the majority of teachers in schools. 
And in a a health crisis like COVID, it's women putting in those hours and it's women making that effort. Can I ask you, besides health workers, aged care workers, childcare and teachers, who else is on the front line? I think what we can also see from coronavirus is it's really uncovered the unpaid care that women do. And this conversation is playing out across the country as mums in particular, trying to balance working from home with kids who aren't in school anymore or perhaps can't go to childcare for health reasons to the extent that looking after your family is a frontline role, then women are doing more of that than they probably were before and they're doing it on top of complicated things like trying to work from home as well. Juggling work and home learning? I'm doing it, quite literally, right now. And we'll come back to that mayhem later if I haven't shot myself out of a cannon and into the sun in the meantime. We asked some women on the front line to tell us how things have changed for them and how they're dealing with the pounding that their freedom downtime and independence has taken. Hi everyone, my name's Nick. I'm the general manager at Lou's Place. Nicole Yard runs the only daytime refuge for women in Sydney. Most of the people she helps are facing some combination of homelessness, domestic violence and mental health issues. Nicole has kept an audio diary to help us understand how she's helping people during this pandemic. Being an all-women's service, you know, we have women coming in and out all the time. But today what stood out for me was a man at the door, actually. You know, we're always a little bit suspicious when we have a bloke at the door because sometimes it means um, someone's being followed. But today there was an elderly gentleman, he looked about 70 years old, and he said that, you know, the usual services are all closed And he heard that we do a lovely takeaway lunch, so he knocked at the door. Oh, I didn't have it in my heart to turn him away. He's really doing it tough. I hope he's okay. We'll check back in with Nick, but now I want you to meet Annette. She's a regional GP. Being a doctor is a pretty physically intimate job most of the time. A lot of things you have to see people face-to-face and put your hands on them, but that's just not really happening as much. So there's more of a reliance on what patients are telling us and uh, less reliance on what we can see with our own eyes or can feel with our hands. There was a new patient who came to the practice who had never seen me or met me before and I was the only one who had a free appointment at the time that uh, he wanted to be seen and upon hearing my surname he said, oh, you know, she must be Asian, she must be Chinese, I don't want to see her because I don't want to get coronavirus. I think... There's also a fair bit of anxiety amongst the medical community about the amount of risk and exposure that we're putting ourselves through by going to work. I live in a house with three other doctors, so in a way it's less stressful because we're all being exposed to the same level of risk through our work. In my work personally, I've seen women who have been 
directly impacted. So in that way, I would agree that it is a gendered crisis. Mothers are usually more responsible for doctor's appointments, keeping track of their kids' vaccinations and arranging all those kinds of things. One patient stands out in particular. She developed acute respiratory symptoms and I had to tell her to self-isolate, that she couldn't go to work until her test results came back. She was a single mother to two or three young kids and she'd run out of sick leave at work. You know, that period of self-isolation meant that she didn't have any income and so that was a huge financial burden. I teach five classes, four of them are BCE, so my load is actually quite senior heavy in general. It's super overwhelming. That's Emma. She's a high school teacher. One of the reasons why I love my jobs is I can go into the classroom and I can interact one-on-one with my students and with teachers around me and building that rapport with them. That's what I think I'm, I'm missing the most. It's a lot busier than usual. A lot of people think that working from home would be more chill, but it's, it's really not. I'm on my laptop probably from about 8am to 8pm, sort of on and off, but it just doesn't stop. And, you know, that's also on me as well. I'm not very good at switching off and I feel like an overwhelming sense of responsibility sometimes to want to help people. As I said before, being a really anxious person, you, you want to make sure that they're doing okay. You want to support them. You want to be there for them all the time. And that for me means responding to emails But I know within myself that I need to stop sometimes. I just need to take a break and have some me time because it really can be quite consuming. As an industry, to be told that we have to continue providing a service whilst the schools are closed and our staff are expected to just continue to work while we put ourselves and our families at risk. Tina manages a childcare centre. She's been in the sector for over 30 years. Her industry, which is often described as invisible and disrespected, has suddenly become visibly essential in ways she could never have predicted. We feel totally undervalued and have been for years, but this really shows how undervalued we really are. I've had staff who have been torn about decisions that need to be made for them and their family a really tough gig. I think that there's going to be a whole lot of burnout of the whole education sector once this COVID pandemic is over. Being at risk of catching COVID, working a stack of extra hours and feeling profoundly exhausted are only part of the story of why women are worse off than men during this crisis. It's also about money. Women dominate the industries that have been shut down by the pandemic. Things like tourism, the service industry, accommodation, hospitality and the arts. I think the reason it's a gendered crisis is it's an economic crisis. And women are already economically disadvantaged compared to men in every single country in the world. And Australia is no exception to that. That's Amy Haddad again, our gender inclusion and social inclusion expert. Any kind of economic pressure is going to be felt first and most keenly by women. 
But I think the particular nature of the COVID virus, the fact that it's shut down certain parts of the economy, the fact that it's putting particular pressure on casual workers, it's seeing the cost of food go up, those things all create extra pressure for people who were already vulnerable, who may not have had the job security, who may not have had the savings, who may not have secure housing, and it's just going to push them that much closer to the edge. Let's talk about women who've lost their jobs. Why are these women vulnerable in different ways to men in the same position? The group of women is just bigger, I think, in terms of those who didn't have secure jobs or those who are working in sectors that may not recover in the same way. So retail like fashion, accessory shoes, uh, home goods, they may not recover in the same way and yet have disproportionately high numbers of women working in that sector. But also in every single sector in Australia, there's a gender wage gap. So those women were already being paid less and their saving situation would not be as strong. And we also know that in Australia, the majority of single parent households are women. And so that kind of overlapping stress of having lost your job and also having to support a family on your own, that again, that that group is going to be a bigger group when you just count the women. Down the track, women will just be back-footed and they were already back-footed. So if women are pulling money out of their superannuation to pay their rent, the fact is that women were already disadvantaged in retirement savings. And so it's just going to be, you know, that much worse. So I don't think it's that an individual man might be better off than an individual woman, rather that there are more women who might be much worse off than men. If you start off poor and end up poorer and we don't do anything about that, then you're a little bit screwed. If you are screwed, it's often community organisations who are trying to scoop you up and keep you going. Let's hear from Nick Yard again. She works at the Women's Refuge. Nick here with my diary entry for today. We are a drop-in centre, so we see sometimes 60 women every day. With everything that's been going on, we've had to um, really limit the women who are coming into the centre to women who are in immediate crisis. But we're so conscious every day about all of those other women who are isolated and alone in the community so often. Hello, is that Zadie? Hello, Zadie, it's Carol here. I'm just ringing with, from Lou's, the kindness calls. That's good, that's good. I rang about... We've set up kindness calls. We'll see how you're getting along. So you're feeling a bit cut off with what's going on at the moment. So what helps you? I got what's some really lovely feedback and she said that that's the only person she's spoken to for three days. All right, we'll speak soon, Zadie. You take care. Amy Haddad says during a pandemic, it's pretty common to see more marginalised women really struggle. Again, if you're already close to the edge, anything that pushes an entire community to the edge pushes those closest to it off first. But I think we've also seen some really, you know, potentially unexpected ways that COVID in particular is playing out. What does social distancing look like if you need a physical carer to assist you. And if you can't touch things and you're blind, has that 
just shrunk your world that little bit more. And we know that people with disabilities are more likely to be socially isolated. And now they're even more socially isolated because the opportunities they had to interact with their communities have, you know, have been reduced. And talk about women of colour. So we know in Indigenous communities, you know, pre-existing health burden, so greater vulnerability to either being more sick or dying if, if there are breakouts of COVID in Indigenous communities, but really significant housing issues. So how do you stay at home if there are 17 people living in your house and one of them has COVID? Hi, it's Nick with the audio diary. We have the very best, 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 best news today. We have had a client who had been diagnosed with the coronavirus who we were told was doing very, very poorly and in hospital. We have just found out she's out of hospital. We were so worried about her. She's probably in her late 60s, I'd say, and just a beautiful, beautiful soul. So a really happy day. Sometimes holding on to those little moments of joy is the only way to get through this new normal. Women like our community centre worker Nicole and teacher Emma and Dr Annette, women in all those frontline jobs and like me and you, goddammit, in the frontline of a household, we feel like the glue that holds things together because we are. We're essential. Gender equality consultant Amy Haddad says women have got more balls in the air than ever and not because we've kicked them clean off their owners. No, we're talking about the balls that you juggle. We already knew the juggle was real, but coronavirus has put that juggle on steroids. Women are having to juggle the unpaid care in a far more acute and intense way than they did previously. And our own time just got sucked up by the fact that our kids aren't at school anymore, that we're stuck in our houses or that, you know, we're legitimately stressed and fragile because we're in the middle of a really significant situation right now. Totally. Let's talk about homeschooling. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's such a hoot, isn't it? So from your understanding, is the burden of homeschooling falling largely on women? You know, anecdotally, I'm seeing that it's mum who's popping out to see how the kids are going or who might be sitting with them with all of their computers on and doing the study, who's liaising with the school, who's downloading the content, who's kind of having to do that emotional labour of making sure the kids feel okay. So we knew that women were already more likely to be responsible for managing the household and getting kids to school and making sure lunch was ready and, you know, cleaning the uniforms or whatever. We also know that families make decisions based on who earns the most money. And so it sounds super reasonable that if dad is working from home and mum is working from home and the kids are now also learning from home, but dad gets paid more than mum, that mum's probably going to be the one who either drops back her hours at work or just doesn't put in the same effort that she might have previously, which could have career impacts. So even when there's mum and dad working from home together, maybe it's mum who's still having to take the time out to organise the kids and dad's getting more work done than mum is. So what, is he going to get promoted? Is she going to publish less papers? Is she going to make less money because she can't work as many hours from home? I think all of that is still going to pay out. Amy, how has coronavirus impacted you personally as a woman? The process of, you know, in one week, my partner working from home, my 
daughter and my son studying from home, knowing that the shops would shut, knowing that the gym would close, that was intense. That process of, you know, as the mum, getting our, getting our crap together, making sure we were, you know, not going nuts but still prepared and feeling okay about things. And honestly, that was exhausting. I don't, I'm not entirely convinced my partner could have done it. I feel like it was a very mum kind of role. But it was at the end of that week, I was, you know, frankly crying, going, this is just crazy that our family is in this situation. Even with all the privilege that we enjoy, this is not how we thought our lives would roll out right now. And also, I was the one who had to make the study look nice. So I hung up the pictures. I put the pot plants in. It's very pretty in here now, whereas my partner just lives in a, you know, snake pit of computer cables. I find even in my house where, you know, I think we've sorted our gender shit out pretty well, the most tense conversations we can ever have are the ones about, I don't think you do enough cleaning. Like that is the way to have a really great argument and make yourself feel like shit for the rest of the day. And so those are difficult things to navigate. Sure. Amy, we also want to celebrate how amazing women are in this episode because it it does feel like a little bit of a cliche, but I think women need to hear it. Yeah, definitely. First of all, we're being awesome. Yeah. We're we're keeping our families together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that women can get through coronavirus? I think women are particularly well-placed too because I feel like we just have some very finely honed skills in just shoveling through shit Um, and, you know, just keep on shoveling. And I think what's really important to remember is that concepts of self-care, they came from the feminist movement in recognition that when you're doing something hard, it's going to wear you down. And it's actually an act of defiance to take time out for yourself to make sure that you're resilient enough to keep doing that. Note to self, you're a weapon. Keep yourself sharp. We asked frontline workers about their methods of self-care and it was fascinating to discover that they all had versions of the exact same thing. I'm not making this up. They all said it's other women who are getting them through this. This is Dr Annette. My close group of friends from university are all female GPs and Uh, For the past few years while we'd been working, we hadn't been in touch that much. But since the coronavirus pandemic, um, we've started a new chat group to support each other. So ask each other questions day to day, check in on each other and see how we're going. And because especially early on, things were changing so quickly, there were new guidelines coming out every other day. So we'd use each other as a resource to make sure that we were all making the right decisions. This is Tina, who works in childcare. I think the biggest, biggest skills that women have are generally really amazing carers and care for each other and look out for each other. And, you know, parents bringing in nappies for other parents who weren't able to get them, people swapping spaghetti for hand sanitizer. And, you know, like I am working with a whole lot of women and come into contact with a whole lot more. And I have seen some very broken and stressed out people, people who have lost their jobs. But I think that we will get through it. I hope we get through it. And I I think women just support each other. And here's what school teacher Emma had to say about how we're going to get through this. 
I think what this entire experience has really shown me, though, is that teachers are awesome. (laughs) And I can also guarantee that I would be absolutely lost without the women in my life right now. I'm very lucky to be surrounded, although at this time it's more of a virtual surrounding, by these females who are always there to support, for daily debriefs, for laughs, for cries, and of course, and most importantly, for FaceTimes with a bottle of wine. (laughs) This pandemic has really shown me how strong and empowering women can be and how important it is to communicate and be there for one another. Totally, and if it weren't for the women in my life, I would be a desiccated little dried-out bit of brown skin wrapped around some nasty old bones with a few flies and farts buzzing around it. Seriously. I don't care about anything anymore except friends and family and maybe, like, some good snacks. We'll leave the last word with Amy Haddad. Look, my message to the women at the front line is help us remember this moment and demand from us a conversation that unpacks the way we value different kinds of work and the way we pay that and the way we honour that so that we can have a really serious conversation about who gets paid what to do what and who gets recognised for it. Because we can go out in the street, we can clap our hands for nurses and doctors, But if we don't use this as a moment to say it's a little bit bullshit that women carry this load and you only afford us for it when your life is at risk, then I think we've wasted that opportunity. Let's not waste this opportunity. If life ever returns to normal, let's not forget that the world can't function without us. We are essential. The whole thing would come crashing down if it weren't for our labour. For years, our cultures and our pay rates have told us that women, that nurses, childcare workers, mothers, people who stock our supermarket shelves and people who make our food aren't that important. But guess what? We've learnt otherwise. I can guarantee you that whatever the next new normal looks like, I am never going to forget how vital health workers are and cleaners and checkout workers, scientists and researchers I'm never going to forget how kindness is free and being shown even just a tiny little bit of it can change your whole mood, your whole day. I'm never going to forget that people who allow me to go to work by teaching my kids, caring for my kids, feeding my kids, those people have godlike patience and I'll never stop being grateful for them. I'm never going to forget how health, your own health, is everything. It's the bottom line, and healthcare shouldn't be for rich people only. I'm never going to forget to vaccinate my family, and I'm never going to forget how managing my mental health is an essential daily practice. And look, I hope to forget, but I might never again take toilet paper for granted. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're alive and here and that we're with each other holding space. Thanks for listening. Ladies We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Jane Curtis. The supervising producers are Cassandra Steeth and Alex Lollback. And our executive producer is Justin Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Yeah, I'm okay. Hey, 
while we're on the topic of coronavirus and the calamity it's brought into our lives, there's another podcast I think you should listen to next. Jan Fran, who is awesome, is back with a new special season of The Pineapple Project. This is the show that takes life's prickly bits and sands the rough edges off. And this series is all about the C word. Oh, God, what what C word? Not that one, no, and not clitoris either. That's our show. No, it's about connection and community. Deep human connection is critical to our survival and our happiness. So what do we do when it all goes to hell? Join Jan Fran from her bedroom as she uses technology combined with humour and her journalistic wiles to track down the experts and theories and case studies and makes sense of their ideas. Maybe we could think of this time as a chance to regroup. The busy busyness of modern life has been stripped away. Some of us are taking stock of what matters. Maybe we're in a good position to connect with each other. So we're going to bring you some ideas for ways that you can do that and maybe come out of this even more connected to the people around you. One of the most important things you can do now for your well-being is to invest in your relationships. Why is it so important to focus on other people and their needs? Uh, Because that's how the human species survives. You are not a solo performer. You're a member of a choir. If we can navigate challenges in a hobby, then we know that we've got that ability to take on challenges in other parts of our life. I didn't know any of my neighbours. Other people are scary. Why would you make friends with other people on your street? And now all of a sudden I know 90. They made a gesture to me that was just so helpful and blew me away. I almost burst into tears. Now we have friends across the road that we didn't even know existed. Is there a way to come out of coronavirus even more connected to the people around us? Yes, there is. Let The Pineapple Project give you all the ideas. You can listen for free on the ABC Listen app or on the Apple and Google podcast apps.